worse things out tonight than vampires. Like what? Like me. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Does It Hold Up podcast, where we discuss some of your favorite movies to see if they hold up to today's standards. I'm Adam. And I'm Emily. And today we're going back to 1998, because in honor of Black Panther, Wakanda Wakanda Forever, Forever, coming out today, well, today when this goes out, not today while we're recording, (laughs) but we're going to go look back at Marvel's first black superhero. Not the first black superhero. There were superhero movies before him. Mm -hmm. But he was part of Marvel. And we're talking about the one and only vampire hunter, Blade. I am so glad that we're bringing this character up because I'm so sick of everyone saying that Black Panther is the first black superhero. Well, he is. He's the first one in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I think that's mostly what people were saying. They just said it poorly. That's fair. But they should realize how they're saying things. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. But I highly doubt a lot of those people were like, Black Panther's the first ever black superhero. It's like, guys, Blade was a huge movie. It's a trilogy. Well, I think their whole issue is realizing that that Blade is a superhero. Because normally when you get vampire stories, it's just a vampire story. You don't always figure that he's a superhero or is considered a superhero. But he is. Yeah. Yeah. I know I didn't immediately think he was a superhero. So that might be where they're But even if he's from. not a, a quote unquote superhero, he's still part of the Marvel world. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a Marvel character. So I don't care what they say. He was first. Yep. And that's what we're talking about him. So guys, originally we were going to actually talk about the entire trilogy. Blade 1, Blade 2, Blade 3. For one reason. Black Panther, Wakanda Forever is a sequel, so we figured we should talk about the Blade sequels. But I couldn't bring myself to do it. The third movie is such trash that it wouldn't, like, I couldn't have spent the two plus hours watching it. It's one of those things where you can almost ruin the original ones by the sequels. It just kind of taints them. So we're like, we don't think that one exists. Originally, I (laughs) planned on just us doing it and being like, it's like 10 to 15 minutes of the entire hour and a half podcast. Like, we'll just, we'll fly by it real quick. But then I was like, I don't really want to watch it. Number one. And number two, I, no. Because like you said, it might taint it. Maybe I go, hey, this movie's super great. And then I watch the third one. I'm like, this whole trilogy is absolute garbage. Yep. Did I actually like that first one or what? So we're just going to do the first one because I chose and I said so. <laughs> and it's my podcast. And you make the rules. And I make the rules. All right. Let's get into this. If you don't know the story of Blade, Blade is a vampire hunter who is half human, half vampire. So all the benefits of being a vampire with none of the weaknesses except for the thirst for blood. But he has that under control with help from his partner, Whistler, who makes him a serum of a garlic, essence of garlic extract. Yeah, plus some other things. And some other things. And it helps keep his thirst under control and helps him from going like full vampire. Then vampires are running amok in the city and they attack a nurse slash doctor. She's a doctor. Slash doctor. And Blade has to save her. Her name is Karen. And they go on an adventure 
of how to tra- how to take down Deacon Frost, who is the bad vampire in this movie, who is trying to resurrect La Magra, who is a vampire god, because Frost is also not a full vampire. He wasn't born a vampire, so he's looked at as a lower class, and he wants all of the power. And then a bunch of action scenes happen, fights, some quippy one-liners, a lot of swearing, a lot of violence, until the end, when Blade gets to be reunited with his mother, right before he goes into the final fight. It's a weird movie. It's kind of all over the place. There's a bunch of little side stories happening that just don't really add anything. But the main story of Blade trying to end Vampire Armageddon, basically, is interesting. Oh, yeah. I mean, this whole theory is like all vampires are evil except for me because I'm a daywalker. But even even he's evil. Like he, he'll admit he's he's a dick. Oh yeah, like, I mean, he's well, not a nice person at all. He's, he's not a nice person to anybody. He gives into his thirst for blood. Even he doesn't though. Like he's mean to Whistler, who's basically his best friend, and he still treats him like crap. He's mean to this Karen chick. He's he's abusive. He just picks on people. For he's fun. just guarded. Yeah, he's he's brooding. He's <laughs> so broody. I could fix him. <laughs> I totally could. God, I just love him so much. All right, anyway. Um, all right, Blade. Yes. Actually, which way, what do you want to do? You want to talk about some of the lesser characters first and finish with Blade, or do you want to start off with Blade? Uh, let's do the lesser characters lesser first. Lesser characters first. Yeah. Well, then let's start with one of the least characters, mm-hmm. Karen, who is the chick that Blade saves and then somehow helps them out. Because she's played, a pathologist. Yes, who is played by Inbushi Wright, who I don't blame her. I think she did a decent job with what she was given. That character is just written terribly. I also kind of blame her because she is bland. So bland and just confusing for me. What do you mean confusing? Like, dude, you're you're brought into this world. Number one, you're a doctor who's like all about science and everything. And then you're brought into this crazy world that you don't never knew existed. And then you're just like all in. I mean, not even 48 hours into, like, knowing that this world exists, and she's down with torturing the fat vampire. Well, yeah, because if you remember, she is slowly changing into a vampire herself. She was bitten. So, of course, she has to go all in. She needs to either figure out what's happening and and be a part of it, or she needs to find a cure. And she thinks maybe helping will, will accomplish that. I guess. It's just... That is just such a leap from going like, I, you know, I'm here to save people as a doctor and to, I'm going to torture this guy with sunlight. A guy who's done absolutely nothing to me. I don't even know how he's Are you talking about evil. the fat guy? Yeah. Earl? Yeah. I mean, he's a vampire. So? And he's evil. So, torture I mean, she's just going thing. based off of uh, Blade's idea that all vampires are evil. I mean, if you look at that man and you listen to him and he's working for the bad guy, you can kind of understand that he's evil. I know, but she just goes so hard. It's fair. So hard. It's fair. So quick. And so it's just, uh, I don't know. She, She was just so pointless to me. Yeah, I mean, I didn't, I don't care about the character. Uh, She's not interesting to me. 
I don't think she adds anything really to this. She adds one thing to the story, which I'm going to get into later when we when we visit the orchard mm-hmm. because I hate it. I hate it so much. <laughs> but she doesn't add anything else to the story. She just exists to exist. She's used as bait at one point for Blade so he can catch a familiar so that he can be led to the vampires. And that's like the extent of her use. If they would have cut it there, I would have been like totally fine with it. But it kept going and she kept being, she's a part of like the epic finale. She doesn't do anything. (laughs) She's there though. And it's just so, what a waste of a character. Yeah. Yeah. Next up we have Quinn who is played by, forgive me, I'm going to butcher his name because it's it's a weird name, but it is Dono Lagu or Lagu. Something like that. Something. <laughs> Apologies, sir, because you are amazing. I have seen you in a lot of things. You always pop up as like a side character and a ton of stuff, just like this movie, and you are a delight every single time. So I apologize for getting your name wrong. Not that you're listening, but you never know. <laughs> Talk to me about Quinn. I loved Quinn so much for me he was so necessary because he added a great touch of levity to this movie especially being between uh two really dark characters of deacon and blade he even gave them moments to be uh light with having to deal with him and his wackiness so i think he added a really nice light touch because otherwise this movie would have just been brood 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 yeah um you're not wrong I think he was more than that, though. More than just the uh, comedy relief character. Yeah. You know, he he added this level where it was like, okay, we obviously have familiars who are humans that love vampires and are hoping to one day be a vampire. So they like run errands for the vampires, hoping that they'll change them. Mm -hmm. Then we have a step up of like vampires, just your everyday vampires. They kind of do their go about their business, they kill people, they just, they're they're basic, right? Mm-hmm. Then you have the upper vampire, where this is where I think Quinn sits, of like, dude's strong, and he's been around a while, and he knows some stuff, and he's got some pull. And then on top of Quinn, we have like the top tier vampires, where it's like, they are vampires from birth, they run the vampire council, they... So Quinn, I think, is high up, and I think that's what's a great dynamic because we get to see him controlling other vampires while they're fighting Blade. I also think he adds a great dynamic of, like, he's the guy Blade picks on, for lack of a better term, where it's like, he beats the crap out of him. Every time they meet, he damages him in some way. One of my favorite things running in this movie is Quinn and the amount of damage he takes throughout the movie. Mm -hmm. Just it keeps getting worse and worse and worse until the end when he's fully healed again because he's a vampire. But it gives Blade somebody to like pick on who then can relay messages back to Frost and it keeps Blade and Frost apart for as long as possible so that when they actually meet, it can be more epic. That's fair. He's, so, he's like the mid-level boss in exactly. game. So, like, yes, he's comic relief, but at the same time, he he's so necessary beyond just being funny. And True. he is so funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything he says is just fantastic. Um, and then Donal just, he rocks it. Oh, yeah. He goes Dude all in. 
embodiment of this character. He was getting into. He knew the character and he went like all in on this character. He was so dedicated. So normally we have like a a fun times with Google. I don't really have that much. So I'm just going to throw one thing in here right now. He actually was not supposed to be in the movie as much. In the original drafts of the script, Quinn had like three lines of dialogue. He was in like two scenes and then he was killed and they moved on. And then Donald was hired and he started hanging around the cast and hanging around the director and they brought him on and he started to read his lines and all that. And they were like, he is so damn good. And they extended and they like, like expanded his role. And they were like, no, we got to put him as much in the movie as we can. And because they didn't have time to like rewrite the script, they were like, hey, here's the basic idea of what you need to say. Just say something. (laughs) (laughs) That explains a lot of his lines. Oh, yeah, because there are things he says where you're like, you understand the character, but do you understand the movie you're in? Because it seems so weird, but it fits perfectly with him. Yeah. And that's why, because he was never supposed to be in that scene. And they just kind of went, put him in there. I think, and I couldn't, I couldn't verify this. But there's a chick who hangs out with a female vampire who hangs out with Frost, who's like his girlfriend or something. I don't yeah, really know. Yeah, the blonde. I wonder if she was supposed to be Quinn's role, the one who was like controlling the vampires to attack Blade and all that. And then I wonder if she kind of got pushed aside to let Quinn do it. Probably because a lot of the scenes, especially at the beginning, like point her out to being someone like really menacing and like we were gonna have to face her at some point and then she just doesn't exist in the rest of the movie yeah yeah i'm just i always wonder that every time i've seen this movie i wonder what that dynamic was and how things changed i wonder if she's pissed about it this is supposed to be like her big break or something and they were just like nah we good (laughs) (laughs) we like quinn um all right next up do you we'll talk whistler who is blade's sidekick and then we'll get into the bad guy and then we'll get into blade himself yeah so whistler is played by chris christopherson Mm mm-hmm Tell me about him. For me, he was so wasted by this movie. He's such a cool character, and the actor who portrayed him did it so well. He was really interesting, and yet they really only used him for, like, exposition. And I thought that was just such a waste because I was like, I want to see this character, like, put up a major fight. So if you wanted to see him put up a fight, you must have liked the part where... Blade is held down and it looks like they've got the vampires have the upper hand on him and he just laughs and is like, I'm not alone. Mm-hmm. And then Whistler just busts through the wall and just open fires on everybody. Dude, I just wanted that for like majority of the movie. Oh yeah, no, that part was great. And Chris just, Chris Christofferson, such a good actor. Too. Oh yeah. He's been in a lot of things and he's so good in everything. Well, dude, this role could be super hammy so easily with oh, it yeah. be- being like a grizzled old vampire hunter who just makes you know we- weapons now it could have been such a gimmick role and he made it into something that i wanted to see on my screen i mean it's why he was brought back for the sequel even though he supposedly dies in this first movie mm-hmm. they were like nah gotta bring him back i was gonna say i have that written down of like his potential as a really cool character is what likely brought him back oh absolutely um chris christopherson is also a country music singer he's had a lot of hits in country music and they're it's it's amazing because like this grizzled old dude and then you're like he sings country music and you're like wait yeah no that tracks yeah i could see it like if they were like hey whistler in in blaze universe if they were like whistler used to be a uh, you know country western artist 
yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. makes perfect sense. So, mm-hmm. it's just great. Uh, that character was actually created for the movie. Kind of. He, he doesn't exist in the comics. He didn't exist in the comics until 2002. But because of this movie, they loved the character. The CEO of Marvel loved this character so much that they were like, no, we got to find a way to put him in the comics. And by 2002, four years later, he was the sidekick to Blade in the comics. But he didn't originate in this movie, which is funny. He originated in the 1990s Spider-Man cartoon as the partner of Blade. Completely different visual look, but that's okay. Yeah. But he was put into that cartoon based off of an early draft of the script for the movie written by David S. Goyer. So the guy who wrote this movie created that character. It's a cool character, so. And like props (laughs) to you, man. Like, you haven't done a lot of good stuff otherwise, but this is a good show. I mean, you, he's he's a writer, and he's written a lot of movies and some good movies, but in these late years, like, <laughs> no, he's not that great. But Whistler, great decision. Next up, we have Deacon Frost, played by Stephen Dorff. Mm-hmm. What do you think? It was really funny because while watching this movie... I was like, I know him from something. I just, something about him is so familiar. I know him. And then I go look up his filmography. I'm like, I don't know him. So I think he was just so iconic in this role that I put it in my head that I just know this guy. That's how good he was in this role for me. He was realistically funny and yet very threatening at the same time. Like he's not an imposing looking dude. And yet you still felt it whenever he was on screen. He's that calm, scary Mm-hmm. Where it's like he doesn't have to raise his voice to be threatening. It's like when, you're, when, when your parents just say they're disappointed, like how it hurts that much more. Yeah. That Deacon Frost is the epitome of that idea. Yeah. Of like, I'm not going to yell at you. I'm going to stare at you. And then I'm going to say something to you. And it's going to hurt your soul. And then we're going to move on. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's so good. One of the things I have written down is I kind of wish he didn't uh, get defeated in the end. So, so we could have him in the future films because he was such a good villain. Oh, yeah. He, I really think he elevated that role. That role could have been boring. Yeah. And kind of bland of just like typical. Oh, of course you want to go do some weird old ritual to get more power. <laughs> How original. But like the way Dorf portrayed this character, like added that level of like, oh, no. Like, this man's smart. He's been studying this ritual for years. It didn't just fall into his lap. He wants this. He's there. He's at that level of, like, if he killed Blade, I'd be like, yeah, no, that makes sense. That tracks. <laughs> like, yeah. he was he was there for me. And Dorf, I think, is what did it. Because I don't think a lot of what uh, Deacon Frost says or does is really that threatening, intimidating, evil. Yeah. Nothing, nothing about the character screams i should be the big bad in a blade movie but then you hired steven dorf and all of a sudden that character's elevated to like no he could go one-on-one with blade and i completely believe it yeah so hats off for a man who doesn't do blockbuster movies he spends his entire career in like independent films he's never wanted to be like mainstream he only took this because he liked the director and he liked the script 
and he's never done anything really big afterwards. Even though he should have. Oh, yeah, no, he should have been, like, a mega star after this movie in all sorts of roles, from bad guys to brooding, misunderstood guys. Like, he could have done it. Mm-hmm. He could have played, like, the Sean Bean type thing, where it's just, like, he pops up in everything. Maybe he's not in the entire movie, but he's just always there. He could have had that. I don't know why he didn't. Probably because he didn't want it. Yeah. But, all right, on to the main event. Blade. Blade. Played by Wesley Snipes. Yes. Talk to me. He was so stoic and yet so, like, subtly funny. Just with his, like, quick mannerisms, his quippy and yet not quippy one-liners that definitely sound like something you would say, but is so ridiculous that you are saying it, which makes it funny. And he just managed to make this ridiculous character so realistic and such a real threat to these people that you're like yeah i'm on your side i'm here for it you're about to kick some booty and i cannot wait it was so good yeah he like wesley snipes been in a ton of movies he's he's an icon in hollywood but i would be surprised if most most people know him as blade because he is Blade. It's iconic. It is like he was made for that role. He knew martial arts before the movie. He has a great presence about him where you're just like just intimidated by standing in the same room as him. And he just looks the part. He looks like he could tear your head off if he felt like it. I know we were talking about how uh, RDJ is Iron Man. Oh yeah. It feels like this. Wesley Snipes is like they nailed the casting which is why i'm kind of shocked that they're rebooting it but well because they're rebooting it to do the marvel cinematic universe version yeah of this character same thing they did with spider-man just everything you know but whatever but yeah wesley snipes did it it's so good um what so you know next next up we always go into like the Roger Ebert review and stuff, and we we will, but I want to touch about something else that Ebert said when he was reviewing this movie, is with a lot of superhero stuff, and I'm going to even talk about the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the DC Universe and everything, all the big stuff that's making all the money right now, a lot of times the actors are are blank. They're, they're one one level. Like, when you think of Chris Hemsworth as Thor, there might be one or two moments where the script tells you that he's sad or that he's grieving the loss of somebody. But every other moment, he's happy-go-lucky, quippy. Obviously, until we get to Endgame and we get fat. Bro Thor. PTSD, sad, depressed Thor. But then his character was basically just that. What worked for me with Wesley Snipes' Blade was he's a badass. He will fight you. He will kill you. He's a hunter. He's scary, but then when you really look at him and you look at his movements and the way he speaks to people, there's this underlying sadness, and Ebert was like, that's what works. All these other superhero movies that happened before him, why they might not have worked as well, why Blade is the reason the comic book movies took off, is because Snipes added levels to this character that you weren't getting before that. There was a sadness in his eyes where you completely understood this character's backstory, how tragic it was, even though he's in the middle of telling you to go 
yourself. <laughs> He's in the middle of yelling at you and quipping at you, and you can still see this sadness in him. And I think that's what works so well. And Snipes, that's just all him. That's just him understanding the character. So, A+, plus, sir. A+. Plus. <laughs> Going into our Roger Ebert review stuff, Roger Ebert gave this three out of four stars. Not bad. No, not bad. I mean, that's uh, 75% C. But, you know, that's if you're looking at it in percentage. Three out of four sounds way better than 75 out of 100. <laughs> so, no, it's, that's a great thing. Here is this quote that I really liked that he said. Blade, starring Wesley Snipes as a killer of vampires who is engaged in an Armageddon for possession of the Earth, is a movie that relishes high visual style. It uses the extreme camera angles, the bizarre costumes and sets, the exaggerated shadows, the confident cutting between long shots and extreme close-ups. It slams ahead in pure, visceral imagery. And if that's not exactly what this movie is, I don't know what else to tell you. Yeah. It has a distinct visual style that they went all in on, and every single actor understood the assignment. And they just went full on. It's great. It's great. Oh, yeah. That's a great quote. All right, so current critic score on Rotten Tomatoes is only a 57%. Mm. I don't know if maybe because of, you know, X-Men in 2000, two years later, Spider-Man two years later in 2002, Marvel Cinematic Universe starting in 08, maybe they're spoiled with the type of superhero movies they get, or maybe they expect a certain kind of superhero movie now, and this is not that. This is so far from what we get as superhero movies now. It's a fine line between the superhero movies and the vampire movies. It's trying to play a bit of both, and I think it's getting neither crowd. Yeah, so they just kind of, that's why it's a 57. They just kind of straddle the fence of like, I, I, it's not bad, but it's not good. It's just meddling, I guess. Yeah. So... Just that was a weird score for me when you look at like Ebert giving it three out of four stars, but then modern critics only give it a 57%. It's like, where's that disconnect? How come people in 1998 were like, this movie's a B plus, And then people in 2022 or all the reviews adding up till now are like, I don't know, this is a D. I mean, we'll get into that with the what does and what does not work. I know. It's just, it's weird. But the audience score is a 78, solid 78. Yeah, because it's a, it's a fun time. Yeah. But it's also not the Marvel. Yeah. It's not fun. It's not lighthearted. There's actual stakes. People die. So that could be why. A little bit of a disconnect. The cinema score is an A-. minus, So that basically means people got exactly what they wanted when they went to the theater. They were like, hey, I want a, I want a vampire movie where some stuff happens. And they got a vampire movie where some stuff happens. And they were like, cool, A-. minus." Yeah. I mean, it's kind of cut and dry what it is. Absolutely. What would you think the budget was for this movie? You're asking me about numbers. I don't... <laughs> yeah, I mean, just... What do you think? 15 million? I don't know. 5 million, 40 million, 170 million? So what I, I said 15. Nah, you're not even close. Yeah, I didn't think so. 45 million. Okay. Which is, which is a hefty number in 1998. Adjusted for inflation, I imagine that would be somewhere around like a $60 million film now. Mm-hmm. You know, 55 to 60 million. That's a decent number. It's nowhere near the number that you get for movies nowadays. 
I mean, when you look at something like what Thor Love and Thunder had like a $220 million budget. Yeah. Like in absurd numbers now. This is like a straight in the middle number. And they should definitely make more of these. Domestically, it has brought in $70,141,876. Not bad. Yeah. Internationally, it's brought in another $66,095,812 for a grand worldwide total of 131, sorry, 61 million. The worldwide total is $131,237,688. Not bad for a budget of 45. Oh, yeah. Not bad at all. That is three times your budget. Now, what they what do they always say? I, I, I tell you this all the time. You got to hit a certain threshold to start being profitable with these movies. So like Thor Love and Thunder made 700 worldwide. Great. But it made it cost 250 to make plus market. So you're looking at like 350. It only made double its money back. Mm-hmm. That's not enough to be profitable once everybody takes their share of that. You have to be about three times profitable, three times your gross to be able to be profitable. So I think Blade kind of just teetered on that. But I also, if I remember 1998 correctly, they didn't market this movie that much. Not like they do today. It was like, oh, you got a couple trailers out, maybe a TV spot here and there. But their, their marketing budget was probably only like 10, 15 million. So they probably went about 60 million all in, ended sure. up gaining 130 worldwide. It's pretty good. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Meat and bones. Mm-hmm. Let's start it with uh, what holds up. Okay. What do you got? Uh, for Let's... me, the major things that hold up is the fact that we have a great lead and a great villain. Both of them were so interesting to watch, and it was a really good build to where they finally got to meet and go head to head, and their final battle was pretty awesome. The other thing that really works for me is the fight sequences. They they let stuntmen do their jobs without having to cut like 17 times for one punch. You actually some of the some of the scenes. There's definitely moments where they're cutting a bunch, but overall, yeah, you're right. I that that's more for a stylistic choice for them. Could be. But they a lot of the times they let a lot of action just play through and it was very refreshing to see after watching all the movies that we get today where they cut literally every two seconds. 17 cuts to throw one punch. Exactly. So, I'm not even I'm not even exaggerating. I count go watch one of the Marvel movies. Watch a fight sequence and count how many cuts you see in like a 15 second span. I guarantee you there are more cuts than seconds in a Marvel fight. Probably. But I think having Wesley Snipes knowing how to fight made it so much better and so much easier for them to kind of cut around it and be able to get a lot of those amazing action pieces without having to cut around it. It feels like Snipes had a hand on it. Like they probably were going to do a bunch of weird stuntmen cut around and blah, blah, blah. And it feels like Snipes went to them and said, Hey, I know how to fight. The stuntmen know how to fight. Just let us fight. Yeah. You film it, we'll fight, which is awesome. I think, like, if you know how, do it. Mm-hmm. I, I've, I've said this a hundred times. Dear Hollywood, let stuntmen work. They have that job for a reason. And Don't cut around them. it tends to be a lot cooler than having to cut. John Wick, 
his action is a thousand times better than anything you'll see in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Definitely. Let them do their jobs. All right. The reason I'm talking so much about that is my first thing that holds up is the action. Mm-hmm. I'm 100% with you on that. It's so good. It's such a change of pace to what we have today. And, like, don't get me wrong. It's not the best. It's not the best action. There are moments where you're like, Wesley Snipes takes a hit, but you can clearly see that the punch landed three feet away from him, and he still reacts like he got punched. <laughs> like, there, there are moments that you can't hide. But the fact that they just let it play anyway is so good. Yeah. Just let it go. Did you have any more? No. Okay. I got a, I got a few here. Wesley Snipes holds up. Demand's so good. I, I agree, but that was part of my talking about the characters and the fact that I liked both of those. Yeah, I mean, the so characters... I didn't feel the need to... <laughs> the characters are, are, are great, but, like, Snipes holds up. Like, when we're talking about casting and when we're talking about somebody who can play a role, it, nobody's better... I mean, there are people that are better. than That's hyperbole. But it, we're talking about this movie. There's nobody better. It's so good. Chris, Chris Christopherson, same thing. What perfect casting. He's a grizzled old man who I feel like probably whooped some vampire ass back in the day. It, he just did. So it holds up. The comedy really holds up for me. Because it's not trying to be funny. It's not Tony Stark quippy. Does mother know you doth weareth her drapes? Shut up. You sound like an idiot. You're trying too hard. You're try- yeah. This isn't, this isn't a stand-up comedy show. This isn't mm-hmm. improv. F- do the fight. But when Blade says funny things, when other characters say funny things, it flows. It comes right out, and it's just, he's not even trying to be funny. That's just something the character would say. And situationally, you find yourself laughing. And oh, that's yeah. the best kind of comedy for me. And it's so realistic, too. I think we uh, talked about it before where there was a one line where it was like, uh, these MFers are always trying to skate uphill. Oh, yeah. No, no. Okay. So this, this episode is going to have a few swears in it because it's just you can't get away from it in this movie. I was trying. But, but. <laughs> it, it was eventually going to be my what line. It was going to get my what award, but I, mm. I got a different line for that. Yeah. But yeah, it's the some motherfucker is always trying to uh, skate uphill. And it's just like, what a stupid line. But it's so funny. But go ahead. Tell them what I told you. Apparently that line was just brought up by Wesley Snipes. And they liked it so much they put it in the movie. So it's like, it's a real thing he says in real life. Oh, yeah. In a lot of in interviews, it's been said by the director and by the writer, Goyer, that when they were just discussing characters with Snipes and they were like, oh, here's Deacon Frost. He's the bad guy. Blah, 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 blah. Wesley Snipes said something along the lines of like, why people always got to try to ice skate uphill. And they were like, oh my God, that's so good. And they worked it into this. It wasn't in the script. They worked it in after Snipes said it in a meeting. So it's like, that's a real line and it's funny. Yeah. So funny. So yeah, it's, it's great. Another thing is just the visual appeal, the aesthetics. It feels real. Like when I watch the MCU, that doesn't feel real. That feels like a make-believe New York. It's a little too clean, a little too polished. People aren't, like, shoving. There's not a lot of people. There's just, like, ten people every now and then. Who There's, don't react when Who don't react to anything. Happening. But, like, in this movie, the streets are dirty. And I know this is a darker movie, grittier movie. But the streets are dirty. They feel lived in. The people walking around feel purposeful. Like, 
literally they just kind of opened set up a camera and just started filming while everybody else was going to work and stuff and they don't mm -hmm. even know they're in a movie that's kind of what this feels like aesthetically it just feels pleasing even though it's dirty yeah and it holds up for me and it I has like a it. lot of background actors that are are what doing what they would normally do including watching when things are happening yeah like blade at one point is like holding a police officer by the neck and some and like, people nobody... across the street are like and nobody oh. gets involved because literally, like, why big would you? dude holding a giant gun, holding a cop. Yeah, you're not getting involved. But they're watching. They're yep. definitely curious about what the hell is happening. If that was made today, they'd have their phones out. Oh, yeah. And then the last thing I have for holds up, and there's, there's a ton of little things, but these were the major things that holds up, is the fact that it's rated R. The violence and the brutality in this movie, they do not shy away from it. And although some of it's a little corny because the CGI is just... Vampires exploding don't look good in 1998 for the most part. But the way they fight and the way they don't shy away from just cutting things up and just bleeding and beating people, it's brutal. It kind of feels necessary for this character. Oh, yeah. Like, it's kind of like how you can't have a Deadpool movie without it being rated R. You can't have a Blade movie without it being rated R. Yeah, it's just it doesn't work. Which is why I'm a little confused because Marvel, I believe, is going to make... Their Blade, PG-13. So I'm not sure it's going to work that well. But it just holds up for me. I love the serum that he gets that can, like, explode vampires and the way they bubble up like a... like They look like a, a thing of grapes. And then they explode in just a geyser of blood. Yeah, where it doesn't seem like they should have that much blood in them. I but I don't care. <laughs> it works for the movie. Yeah. Yeah. So those were the things for me that held up. Okay. You want to go into what doesn't hold up? Yes. All right, hit me. What do you got? Uh, we just talked about it, but the terrible CGI. Like, some of that just is so wrong that it just doesn't work. And some of the effects are just terrible. Like, they try to show them driving quickly, and they, you can just tell they just sped up the footage. Right, like, it was green screen, and then when they actually had to show the car, they were just like, go five miles an hour, and then we'll boost it 2,000%. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you can see them. Like, they're actually on a street. You can tell that because everything around them is sped up as well. So it's like, um, sure. Yeah, I mean, they, they did what they could. Yeah. But I agree. It does. It just does not hold up for today's standards. No. They, it, watching it this time, I was, like, taken out almost every time that kind of stuff came on screen. I was like, oh, mm, this isn't real life. <laughs> If you if you guys watched our or not watched if you guys listened to our episode about Jurassic Park you know how much I hate the CGI in that movie like I hate the raptors in that movie they they look terrible in the kitchen scene it's awful I hey, can't for stand me it. they're fine if but, I don't look too closely yes but as much as I hate them I would take that CGI over this CGI any day any day any seriously day. it's just it's so bad that was my the first thing on my list too is the cgi as much as it's cool when they turn into grapes and then explode it, it god looks it looks bad so bad it's something like i would have drawn when i was 10 <laughs> not something a professional should make it makes me think of a like c-rated horror movie in like the 70s but at the same time i'm not gonna lie it's kind of what works for me, too. It definitely doesn't hold up at all. Yeah. But I kind of like it. <laughs> but I kind of like it. All right, what else you got? I have... Uh, it has terrible sound effects. Literally, every punch sounds exactly the same, no matter where you're hitting and no matter what you're using to hit with. And 
every time he pulls out his like handgun, it sounds like it weighs like six tons every single time he unholsters it. Well, but it is like, heavy. But like never when he's actually using it, just when he's unholstering it. It it is just so weird. Like I don't know who was doing those sound effects, but they did not they they don't work. Oh <laughs> uh, you, you you got me. In uh that was one of my nits to pick. Oh, yeah. was the sound design because <laughs> but I'll I'll talk about it here. It's terrible. It makes zero sense. Things are way louder than they should be. Things don't sound like they should. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, if Blade punches somebody in the face, you get sound effect A. If he punches you in the stomach, you get sound effect A. If, if he kicks you in the shin, you get sound effect A. If you get hit by a two by four, it's sound effect A. Yeah, it's just, it's always the same sound for every, and there's no variance in the level either. No. It's like everything's at 100% sound, No, every punch. And it's like, dude, he slapped him. It can't be as loud as when he punched him. Like, I just... And it's, it's so bad. Really noticeable in the final fight, like really noticeable because oh, yeah. of how diverse the fighting is there. But it's all sounding exactly the same. So I'm like, this is something that, as a person who watches movies now, really notices because we're like spoiled with how good sound design is now. Yeah, there's also a scene where Blade is beating up a familiar in an apartment. He's slamming him into things, and I don't know what they think he's slamming him into, but it does not sound like what he's getting slammed into. <laughs> it's like Every time. he slams him into a wall and it's like a gong sound. And you're like, what? that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> what is happening right now? Yep. Yeah. Sound design is terrible. Yeah. All right. What else? Uh, that fat, fat vampire is so cringe. Just so cringe. I can't watch it without thinking of like a brood mother in like video games. Yeah. That's the point though. Come on, that holds up. It it just didn't for me. Maybe because it's supposed to be cringy. I don't know. It For me, it just doesn't hold up. I think you're stretching on this one. Uh, I guess. I, it could be a nit then, but it is one of those things. Like, he, he looks good. He was a man in, like, 300 pounds of fat suit. I don't doubt. Who was controlled by five stagehands <laughs> who had to like control his arms and control because it was impossible to do otherwise yeah you know so he's basically a giant puppet dude he looks so good i can't believe you have it here i i know you don't like it but not liking it is different than it holding up i guess but i don't know for me it just doesn't hold up it's, it's something i would take I, out of the movie and it makes it better <laughs> no I, I like it so pearl is just so gross and so <laughs> but i love it it's fair what else you got? Anything? I do. Oh, okay, keep, keep. Let's go. Let's go. All right. Um, Blade's mom being super handsy and close has like when she's talking to him, putting him into that little like sacrifice thing, was just so creepy because it looked way too sexual for a mother-child relationship. It was supposed to, and it doesn't work. It doesn't hold up. It added such a creep factor that it didn't need to be there it was bad enough she's the one putting him in there that she didn't need to be like oh look at you (laughs) (laughs) yep that's that's exactly what she did dude it seriously was i'm like what are you trying to seduce him that's your child that's gross yeah i don't even care that you're vampires it's gross the reasoning is vampire you don't know their rituals you don't know their lifestyle how dare you how dare you assume things gross 
No, it is. It's pretty weird. <laughs> it, it's, it didn't make that. It didn't make my list, but it's definitely a little weird. A little. Yeah. No, it was. You got anything else? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Keep going. Uh, I only have two more. Uh, for me, the 90s grunge feel doesn't hold Can up. Can you stop stealing mine, please? <laughs> I don't, I'm not going to have anything to say in the doesn't hold up section because you literally, you're just saying it all. Okay. Yeah. Why don't you like the grunge? Why doesn't it hold up? Because it is so uh, noticeably 90s that I I didn't I never remember when a movie was made. I don't know years, but I will turn to someone and be like, "This is a 90s movie, isn't it?" Because it has just that certain feel that like every movie in the 90s had. So I think it just it makes it way too noticeable that it's 90s. All right, what's your Why last do you one? Have it? Now, what's your last one? <laughs> uh, the this could be kind of a nit is uh too many strobe lights i right, put it in the nits. okay okay here's my here's my list of what doesn't hold up the cgi we talked about it to death so i'm not gonna talk about it again mm-hmm. the angst mm. not so much like you said like the 90s feel like yeah that like the grunge i don't think it's as grungy as it is like angsty of like i feel like a, a a 15-year-old teenager who who listens to Marilyn Manson wrote this movie. And definitely put themselves in Blade's shoes. Yeah, well, not even, no. I think they put them in Frost shoes. You know, like, <laughs> I think they were like, well, I have dual personality, so half of me is Blade and half of me is Frost because I'm dark and edgy and angsty. And you're like, come on, man, this is a movie. Knock it off. And I definitely squat in corners listening so to that music. So was, that was the one part I was really going to bring up where it's just like, oh, my God, punch you in the face with the angst. There's a scene where Frost is waiting has for, his, waiting has his, for his, computer his computer to finish decoding. decoding this ritual that he has to do. And one of the Elder States vampires walks in to kind of like confront him and be like, you're wasting your time. You'll never be one of us. You suck. And when he walks in, there's there's a desk with a computer, super old computer. It's great. Love seeing that. And a chair at a desk. And Frost is sitting on the ground with his knees up to his chest, listening to music with his head down. If that doesn't scream teenage angst, I don't know what does. And maybe in Vampire World, he's basically a teenager. And that's why we get it. You know, because they live much longer, so we don't really know. But, oh my god, it just it bothered me so much in that moment where i was like guys really there's a perfectly good chair why couldn't he pull like a james bond villain where like the guy walks in and he slowly turns around and looks at him and is petting a cat or something <laughs> like i just it was so weird why is he sitting on the ground with his headphones in and everything yeah like... it just and the music the soundtrack i like the soundtrack but at the same time it's like techno meets grunge rock and garage music and it's just like, oh my God, okay. And some hip hop in there. And it's just, it's so <laughs> angsty in 90s. I love it. Love it, but it doesn't hold up. Yeah. The story doesn't hold up for me. It's just, it's boring. <laughs> Luckily, they have two great actors who get to play off of each other, but I'm going to become a god. I will stop you. That is writing 101 for me. Yeah, and so it I just didn't mind it. Doesn't hold up. Um,. What doesn't hold up is the fact that Marvel doesn't make our movies anymore. Yeah. It's like, this is this is an R movie. Why don't well, we make more of those? Once you're b- bought by Disney and yeah. have that name on it. Well, they didn't. It's really hard to do. Even X-Men and Spider-Man, they weren't R. They didn't touch R again after Blade. Yeah, but even those characters Blade, aren't even R. Even Blade 3 ended up being a PG-13 movie. True. So it's like, 
Probably why that one's really, really bad. Probably. <laughs> um, two more things. The girl, Karen, she just doesn't hold up for me. She's completely useless. Just get rid of her. Write her out of the... You could literally edit her out of this movie, and the movie plays out exactly the same way. That was going to be my hot take. Oh, okay. Well, we'll get there, because I can't wait to hear it um, like in depth. My last thing is New Line Cinemas, who was one of the production companies on this movie, and this is the reason why I say it doesn't hold up. New Line is a subsidiary of Warner Brothers. What movies does Warner Brothers make? DC. DC movies. This was the only time they worked with Marvel was to make Blade, and then they just were like, no, we can't do that anymore. <laughs> and it's just like, come on, guys. Can't we all be friends? Look at the, look at the, look at the movie you made. Look how yeah. much money it made. Yeah. But it, just make it. Just do more. <laughs> so New Line Cinemas, who just went from like being a production company to just like a distribution company for Warner Brothers now, is it's just funny to me. So I had to mention it. Yeah. All right. We're going to the orchard. You ready to pick some nits? Oh, yeah. All right. I have, I have quite a few. I, I only got two. <laughs> well, I only got one now because you just you stole my sound design. <laughs> so <laughs> That was definitely more of a problem, not a nit. Oh, that was just a nit to me. It wasn't like, it didn't oh, take it me so, out of the movie completely. It, it's it just I noticed out. it. All right. Go go picking. All right. Uh, for me, the vampire mouthpieces, they were all the exact same. So it made everyone look just super weird because they all had the exact same mouth. Uh, yeah. We all have, I mean, we don't all have no, the exact same mouth. teeth are everybody's so got teeth. weird. Yeah, yeah, but they're but vampires. Everyone... They're perfect teeth. Ah, it just, it looks what do you so want? Like, fake. Did you want some of them to be like rotted and green and yellow? Like, I Maybe. don't understand. No, just like not all Maybe perfect. blood is really good for your teeth. Could be. You Could don't be. know. Yeah. All right, go on. Uh, they, they just expect you to understand their vampire lore with very little experience, uh, explanation. Like you get a little bit of explanation, like to the middle of the movie. But up until that point, you're just like, uh... Vampires exist. Move on. Okay. <laughs> All right. What else? Blade's constant posing. He literally will get into a scene and just stand there stoically and then do something. Like, he has to pose before okay. he goes. We got to make sure those action figures get out and those trading cards get out. All right. <laughs> and then my last one is a bit more of a question of, do they ever reload? We never see them reload, and one of the weapons is a shotgun. And yet he's like, bam, no, no, bam, I think, bam, I think, bam, bam. I totally think we see him reload the shotgun once. Once? Once. Oh, when he, does, when he hits like the vampire on the knee? Yeah. And I'm pretty sure he's reloading and then shoots her. Doesn't even look like he reloaded. It just looks yeah. like he... Because he, he does run out of bullets. You hear the sound effect. That's why he doesn't shoot her in the face the first time. But then... Unless he's, like, so fast you can't even frame by frame it. I mean, it, he's a vampire. He might be. Could be, but it, it you never actually see him reload in the movie. Okay. I, that's fair, but I'm pretty sure you do. Once or twice. Not enough. You definitely don't see him reload enough. Or the bad guys. They never reload either. But that shotgun got well, me. I, I think once or twice you do see him reload. <laughs> All right. I actually have two now. Okay. Because one just, what just came to me. Yeah. The first one, the one that just came to me while we're literally sitting here, mm -hmm. is the vampires move and act very human-like. There's nothing vampire about them other than, like, they're strong. They're a little strong. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, they, they drink blood. And they but hiss. Like, 
What? And they hiss at you. And they hiss. But I I can hiss. It's fine. <laughs> but like, where's like the cool flying or turning into a bat or like the speed or they just kind of like don't feel like vampires really. They just feel like humans who drink blood. Yeah. That's like my my my, my nitpick with the vampires. And they heal. And they heal, but just like the one. Yeah. Because everyone else just dies. Everybody else just dies. <laughs> so, but Quinn They also die. Like, cool. they don't, they, they're like silver or a stake to the heart. Like, these are the things that kill a vampire. And then he definitely kills them by just punching them to death. Yeah. Well, maybe he's got silver hands. Ooh, they should explain that. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever, it's cool. <laughs> it looks cool. That's all that matters. <laughs> so my other nitpick is there's a scene where they're going to kill one of the statesman vampires. And then there's another scene where Frost is meeting Blade for the first time face to face. Yeah. Both of these things occur in the daytime and all they do is put some sunblock on. Mm-hmm. Why are they bitching about Blade being a daywalker? Like that's one of the things Frost hates about Blade. And he actually needs a daywalker to complete the Lamagra ritual. Yeah. But he's bitching about Blade being a daywalker. And it's like, guys, just put on sunblock. Wear yeah. a hat. Apparently, that makes you invulnerable to the sun. Right? Like, just wear a hat. Like, it, it bothers me so much. What is it? SPF 9000? Yeah, pretty much. I don't know. I don't... It just bothers me. <laughs> I, I got nothing to it. It just bothers me. Yeah. Okay. It's so good. Going into our <laughs> imaginifs. Yeah. I got imagine if for you. Okay. Imagine if this movie is what started the MCU. And this guy, this Blade, then teamed up with the X-Men two years later, after they got their movie, who then teamed up with that, with Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. And they were the defenders, the more on-the-ground type people, not the Avengers. Imagine if this movie had started the MCU and we never get to 2008 with Iron Man and everything we've had. We build from Blade up to Thanos. All their villains would be dead in like two seconds because Blade would just go in and kill them. <laughs> like he has no like second thought. He just like walks, people. he just walks up on Goblin and he's like, what's up? Stab. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Basically throws his little boomerang thing, kills him. Like, what? Oh, we're, did you want to take that one? Oh, well. Yeah, my bad. Peace. Yeah. I don't know. It was just, I mean, this was the first, like, <laughs> big Marvel movie. Yeah. And I was like, I, you know, because then they could change the out 2004, they so could much. hook up with the Fantastic Four as well. Yeah. Like, you had the makings of a universe already. You had enough characters. The world who were all ready. active at the same time. But we just didn't ever put them together. Yeah, the world wasn't ready. Yeah, fair. All right, you got one for me? Oh, yeah. Uh, imagine if crossover Blade into Twilight's Volturi. Blade against Volturi. Oh, my God. Well, first of all, the Volturi would die. Maybe. Quickly. They have superpowers. So does Blade. Just saying. But, I mean, too many weapons. Could be. That's that's yeah. the thing about Blade. Right, like so. Let me go back to the orchard real quick because mm-hmm. I, I do got one more one more nitpick here. It's always <laughs> my 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 thing with Batman as well. Just too many gadgets. Like, I get Blade is very good hand to hand, but he's got all these weapons with all this special ammo, and he's got a portable UV light that acts like the sun, and like, just just too many gadgets. Like he would walk up on the Volturi and just pull out that little UV light and just be like, "Ha ha, you're dead." 
Except that doesn't hurt those vampires. They just get sparkly. Oh, they do just get sparkly. That's right. Yeah, okay. So they're sparkly. Like, Blade would be like, okay, whatever. Oozy. <laughs> and he would just shoot them all. Fair. Because we don't know in Twilight how these vampires can really get hurt. Like, they can only die by getting their heads ripped off or whatever. Or burned, yeah. Or burned. But that's not to say they wouldn't get hurt being shot. Oh, yeah. We never see if that, like, yeah, we don't, silver They don't go to is, that level of violence. Yeah. So, like, Blade would just walk up into the clearing. Like, we're talking about Twilight Eclipse, right? Or the Twilight Breaking Dawn 1, where Two. they have the big epic fight. Two. That's the last movie? That is the last movie. Damn, all right. They end the entire franchise on a vision. Damn, all right. Well, yeah. that's dumb. Um, <laughs> God, that's so dumb. But imagine him walking up to that clearing, and they're all standing there, and he just busts out of minigun and just <laughs> just just levels them all yeah and then just starts a big bonfire yep so quick that i, I don't just, i, I don't think it'd be, it up. i mean what that what was the little girl's name in twilight who could like hurt people with her mind uh abigail no whatever her name was who cares yeah. like what is she gonna do she's gonna think hard at and blade hurt him apparently yeah blade's gonna throw his little guillotine knife and just cut her head off could like, be. come on that's not even a question. <laughs> it's a good question, but it's not even a question. All right. Okay. Do you, you got anything one? else? I do. I don't. Okay. So go. Um, imagine if we get the Rise of Deacon story. You want a prequel? I want a prequel. Yeah, I about take Deacon it. and Quinn. Well, also, it'd be really interesting because we'd get the Blade origin story in that because and Deacon created Blade. He's the one who bit Blade's mother. And we could see more of... Uh, Whistler. We could, because maybe him and... That's his time. I don't think him and Frost really ever fought before this, though. They didn't seem to have a familiarity with each other. Oh, well, it was more so that he was just going after all vampires, so... Yeah, like, he might He might be the boogeyman. I was gonna say, the he's the boogeyman. World. Like, yeah. the vampires talk about Whistler. Yeah. Ooh, yeah, can we get a Whistler? No, I don't want a Deacon Frost movie. I want a Whistler movie. We get Whistler have, just ha, have killing a, vampires. Bit of column A, bit of column B. <laughs> just do both. It's fine. Yeah, two different movies. Listen up, New Line Cinemas. Work with Marvel again and give me those movies, you cowards. Yes. Anything else? One more. One more. Oh, jeez. All right. Yeah. Imagine if Karen is the one that's killed instead of Whistler, and Whistler is the one that's taken, so he gets to be a part of the final battle. Yeah. No, give that to me. Give it to me. Give it to me right now. Yeah. How dare you bring that up and not have it be real? (laughs) I want to see Whistler just go nuts bananas killing dudes. Mm Mm-hmm. Because he would actually Participate? Yeah. There would be a reason for him to be there? Yes. Yeah. And we'd get to see more awesome Whistler. Hey, Karen, I think you need to get the F out. Mm-hmm. You suck. Yeah. Right. I like those. Those are good. Those are good imaginists. I don't have anything for Google. Nah, I we talked about the few. That yeah, I had like that had, few. Yeah. And that was about, oh, I do got one. I lied. I got one. Oh, such a liar. About Pearl, okay. your favorite person. Mm-hmm. Um, in the original script, in the original designs, Pearl... The reason he's so fat, being a vampire, is, do you know what he feeds on? Hmm. Babies and kids. Oof. Who have a higher, like, fat content in their blood, right? Yeah. Higher sugar content, sure. high, all that. That's why he's fat. He, the design of his room originally, but the New Line Cinemas was like, eh, it's a little too far. We're not, yeah, we're not going probably. There. Which is just going to be a bunch of dead babies and a bunch of dead kids scattered around the room. Yeah, that would have been too far. And that's why Karen opened up that sunlight on him at least that would make more sense and i wouldn't have that as a terrible spot for me yeah 
that was a, that was originally his room was going to be designed like that, and they had it ready. They were going to do that, and that's when the producers in the studio stepped in and were like, "That's a step too far. We we would never get an R rating. It'd be an NC seventeen immediately because of that." Seriously. So can't do it. Yeah. Kind of want to see it though. <laughs> like I want to see at least like the drawn out designs of what that would look like, or like hints of it, like skeletons or something. Like, yeah, I but feel if you like can tell it's a baby bad. skeleton. That's still bad. Oh, kids. Small skeletons. Yeah. Because yeah. that, that could just be small people or it could be kids. Absolutely. Just interesting. Yeah. Like that, that's how far the, the creators wanted to go. And then they had to be pulled back to what we got. At least that makes more sense as to why Karen goes. Yeah. I don't know if that's why she would go, but I assume so. I mean, it would make me go that. into torture. Yeah. So, all right. We're going into our hot takes. Mm-hmm. You want me to go first? Or you want to go first with your hot take? Well, we already talked a bit about my all hot right, take. All right, yeah, so go ahead. Hit me with your hot take again. We don't need Karen at all. I she don't think is, that's... See, I don't think that's as hot of a take as you think it is. I'm pretty sure most people agree. That's fair. But keep, keep, keep but that, going. That was my hot Explain take. Is, is literally we can write this movie and not have her in it at all, and it's a better movie. Because, yeah, she's kind of our intro into this world, but you can have that in a different way than needing this uh, layman character that does nothing the entire movie. So I don't think you got to get rid of her fully. I think after Blade uses her as bait to catch the familiar, she can F off. Just leave yeah. her out at that point. But using her to get to that point it was, was fine. Yeah. I, yeah. I, like, you could write her out, but I think you got to have somebody there to use as bait. I guess. So... I think you could have found a different way. Yeah, I, I, I don't think that's as hot as you think it is. I think most people would probably agree that she's just pointless. Okay. So, all right. Here's my hot take. Wesley Snipes' Blade should be the star of the MCU's Blade movie. They should bring him back. I agree. Period. I love Mahershala Ali. I don't think he's going to be a good Blade. No. I don't think he's menacing at all. He doesn't look physically menacing. He looks like I want to go have a drink and just sit and talk with him for a while. Mm-hmm. I don't think he can pull it off. But imagine a grizzled old blade in a, in the mix of all these young heroes. It would and be like, kind of great. Yeah, no, it would be great. That's my hot take, though. I love it. Come on, Marvel. I was thinking Bring the same him back. Thing. And what's even disappointing is he's not even going to be a part of the MCU's blade at all. Like, he doesn't get to be the Whistler. Yeah, I mean, that would make it a little confusing, I feel like. Why? It's not part of the MCU. Yeah. I mean... It still exists. Chris, yeah, but Chris Evans was the Human Torch in the Fast, Fantastic Four movies, and then he was Captain America. Yeah, but we haven't brought in the Fantastic Four yet. Which, so? We're gonna. It's fair because they, they did bring in the whole idea of the multiverse, so it could just be a right, different like, yeah. verse. I'm just... It would be so cool. I, I agree. I don't... I'm not excited for the Blade movie in, in Marvel's MCU. Mm-hmm. I don't want a PG-13 movie. Yeah, no. I, I don't want Mahershal Ali as Blade. Yeah. Uh, the no. fact that they just lost their director like two weeks ago who just dropped the project for creative differences and it got delayed like another eight months or something like that, I have no faith in this movie. But if tomorrow Disney was like, hey, Wesley Snipes is coming back, I'd be like, yeah, I'm in. All in. I got to wait seven years. I don't care. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. That's my hot take. I like it. All right. That's it. We're done. We're going into the awards now. Yeah. Awards and then our final Awards thoughts. and final thoughts. Wow. Wow, this is moving quick. It feels like we've been talking forever. 
Yeah. And also not enough. <laughs> I could talk about Blade all day. Probably. All right. Awards. Yes. I only have... I only got five awards for this movie. Yeah, I based mine off of yours. Oh, jeez. Okay. <laughs> Here we go. The most replayable scene in all of Blade. You go first. Oh, I'm going first. Okay. Yes. It's the nightclub fight scene. The right at the beginning scene. of the movie. Opening fight. Yeah, yeah the opening fight. One. He walks. So, like, <laughs> don't get me wrong. The scene where they're dancing and the dude, all of a sudden the blood comes down and the dude realizes that he's surrounded by vampires is awesome. But it also... Let me visit the orchard again real quick, if you don't mind. Can I visit the orchard again? Oh, go for it. Sorry. Right. I, I kind of think I agree with the same thing so, that you're going to say. this dude is dancing, mm -hmm. and all of a sudden blood comes down, and all these vampires turn and look at him. Were they all going to share one meal? He's yeah, like the he's only the human only there. one, yeah. From what we see, once the fight starts, I think there's other humans running around, but like the way it's shot and the way it's set, it looks like he's the one human in a room of vampires. Well, I mean, I guess they really don't have to share because there's blood lit literally coming from the ceiling, so they can just go, ah. Yeah, but then what's the point of him? I don't know. It's just super weird. For the fun of the hunt. I guess. I don't know. It was just super weird. Oh, yeah. It, it always for bothers me. me. Was, for me, it was the strobes. Strobe and oh, the Oh, yeah, you didn't talk cutting. about the strobe lights when we were when we were picking nits. Yeah. Well, I kind of brought it up, and that's pretty much all you have to really say. Yeah, it, tons it of strobes. It was so much strobes that it made me, like, physically sick. But the opening scene is great where they're all dancing because it feels like a completely different movie. Like, if you walked in not knowing it was Blade, you'd be like, oh, cool. This is like a like a, a movie? Like, what is this just like a coming-of-age story? This dude's, like, dancing, and everybody's having a good time. Why is there blood? Oh. And then all of a sudden, the, the entrance of Blade 2. Oh. It, it's like... Pun intended, it's like the Red Sea just parting. <laughs> and Blade's just there. Oh, yeah. The music has to stop and, and everything. And oh, it's a beat drop moment. It's, you know, needle, drop, needle yeah. scratch mm -hmm. of just there he is. And then music picks up and just boom, 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 boom. We're in. Mm -hmm. It's so good. I know it's like at the beginning, but I don't care. <laughs> it is such a good scene. That That's exactly my replayable scene. Oh, seriously? Fight. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I did not look at your... What your uh, ones were when I came up with mine, I just looked at which awards you gave. <laughs> I promise. It's so it's so good. And it's choreographed really well. Because mm -hmm. there's even a moment, okay, maybe I'm reading into this moment a little too much. But you're talking about how the shotgun needs to be reloaded. Yeah. Did you notice the moment where Blade shoots a dude? He goes flying back. Somebody's running at Blade. They cut back to Blade. And Blade, like, half steps backwards and then turns around and shoots the guy. You know, it's part, like, it's a really quick part. But if you go back and watch the movie, the way Blade backsteps and looks, he almost looks scared for a minute. Like, he almost might be in over his head and has to recompose himself. And it's a really interesting moment for me. I don't know if it's on purpose. I don't know if, like, maybe they they called action and Wesley Snipes didn't act right away and they they, they didn't cut it where they were supposed to cut it. Like, they didn't trim it up enough. But it's just this weird moment where he backsteps, looks a little scared, turns around and shoots another guy, and then the action picks up again. I didn't notice that part. Okay, so. <laughs> you're going to have to watch it again. It's super interesting. Yeah. But it's like little things like that in this or the scene where we were talking about he reloads the shotgun. He like hits this chick in the gut or in the knees or something with his shotgun. She growls at him, snarls at him, and he just blows her head off. Mm -hmm. What a cool moment. Oh, yeah. So good. And then he kicks the one dude's head into the electrical wiring and electrocutes him. The only part of this scene that doesn't hold up, though, mm. is CGI. 
Oh yeah. As they explode and they're skeletons and but if you just it's moving so fast that like you can totally forget it. Yeah. You can For me, it's it. like this is my most replayable scene. Yes, there's gonna be parts that I will fast forward throughout the movie, but I will watch the rest of the movie after this. Facts. Mm-hmm. All right. Next up, best kill. There's okay. some good kills in this. Yeah. All right. What's your best kill? My best kill is uh, Quinn. Mainly. I knew it. I I freaking knew it. Yes. So we get them fighting. Like the entire movie is like several different fights between Blade and Quinn where Blade like maims him and then lets him go. And then finally, once his basically role in Blade's life is over, he literally just takes out some wire and lets him run into it. It's such a quick kill. And well, so he doesn't efficient. let him run into it. He spins. Well, yeah. He spins and goes into it too, but yeah. But it's so quick and efficient and you're like, dang. That's that's Blade on real blood. Yeah. Normally he's on the serum where he's a little like dampened, power dampened, but then he gets real blood. Mm-hmm. And he just, and he's like, I'm serious now. That, that was that moment, yeah. and I'm just like, you, you, yes. You are useless to me now. I'm yeah. no longer toying with you. I love it. Oh, oh, it's so good. It's my second best. All right, what's your best? My best is back to the, back to the opening fight mm-hmm. in the nightclub when Blade is standing in that little circle shower room or yeah. whatever it is, and everybody's kind of walking in, and he just pulls out his little flying knife the little boomerang the little thing. boomerang knife thing and he whips it around the wall and it circles all the way back around and then he catches it and then the camera pans out and we just see everybody's heads getting chopped off and they all explode it is such a good moment like such an inventive kill like don't yours is inventive too because i really like it yeah but just the, the the mathematics behind throwing this boomerang and somehow it hitting everybody who's not the same height cutting all of their heads off and returning. And he just catches it so nonchalantly. Mm-hmm. Cause like he backs up against the wall, like he's in trouble. And then he's just like, Nope. It just kills them all. <laughs> and it's just, what a great moment. It sets the tone for everything else that's coming. Nice. Love it. All right. I have a what award for the weirdest line said in the weirdest way inspired by jaws. Yes. Do you got one? Oh yeah. Okay. You want to go first? You want me to go first? You go first. Okay. Mine is so weird. So the entire time, Blade is like this stoic kind of guy. He's real serious, right? Yeah. And he says everything with like this gravitas and this gravelly voice and this this snarl. But when he's in the hospital chasing a burnt vampire victim, Mm -hmm. cops open fire and shoot him. And again, explicit language incoming because it's the only way to do this line justice. Blade looks at them. He looks down at his chest where he just got shot. He looks up at the cops. And I swear to God, this is just Wesley Snipes talking in this moment. Because he's just like, motherfucker, are you out of your damn mind? And it's just like, (laughs) what are you doing? That is so against what I feel like Blade is in the rest of the movie. Yeah. That it just feels like Wesley Snipes' own personality came out in that moment and it's oh i love it so much it was it's so, so good. good so good all right what's yours uh while i would put anytime quinn talks basically Facts. i'm gonna give it to his line i'm gonna be naughty a naughty vampire god 
Oh, mostly because he <laughs> just, I cannot do his delivery justice. What, what is it? It's like, I'm going to be naughty. I'm going to be a naughty vampire god. It's almost, it's, it's crazier than that. Oh, yeah. Probably. He's like, I can't do it justice, but I try. moment. Because, you know, everything's coming to fruition. And he's just like lighting a cigarette while he says it, too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. He just, everything that he says in this movie is done with such a, like, crazy manicness that is like, this he's is He's so tongue-in-cheek this whole movie, and I love it. Yeah. yeah. That's a good line. Yeah. It's, it's literally, like, that's a quotable line. That's something, like, in, like, two weeks we're going to be talking, and something's going to happen, and I'm just going to be like, I'm going to be naughty. You're going to be a naughty vampire god. <laughs> and you're going to be like, okay, I can't deal with you yep. today. It's going to yep. be great. Okay. Into our final two awards here. As always, we get our Jar Jar Binks Award for the scene, character, something specific from the movie that holds up the worst. Yeah. What is it? While I was going to put the fat vampire, it has to go to the CGI. It does not look good. At all. Boo. What's yours? That's a little too that's a little too broad. I was hoping you were gonna like, you know, narrow in on like one specific thing. Like all the times the vampires disintegrate <laughs> is just so bad. Alright. Alright. I'll I'll accept it. <laughs> Alright. Mine? The exploding serum. Yeah. Okay. So let me, <laughs> let me just break this down for you guys, right? This is why I hate the character of Karen. This is when I said we're going to get into this later, when I mentioned this earlier. She joins them in their crusade against vampires. She's a doctor who studies, like, diseases and stuff like that, and, like, treatments. Yeah, she's for, a pathologist. For yeah. She's not a hematologist, the study of blood. Mm-hmm. But she acts like it. It's almost like they don't know what doctor she was supposed to be to be able to do these things. Probably she, not. She helps them out. Now, Whistler's been fighting vampires for years, and he's not the first. And he makes all of the gadgets that Blade uses. The UV light, the silver, the... Gu he made the serum that Blade takes to keep his thirst for blood down. He's a smart man. Mm -hmm. This chick walks in. And literally is like, I'm trying to make a cure. And first of all, shut up, bitch. You're not going to make a cure. All right? You think if a cure could be made, it wouldn't have been made already? Shut up. But then she's like, well, I couldn't make a cure, but look what I can do. If you mix this and this and you put it in their blood, they ex it explodes. And then they bottle it up into little needles and Blade uses it as a weapon. It's actually the thing that kills Frost at the end of the movie. And I hate that serum. Mm -hmm. so much it is so dumb that she's whistler makes the serum blade take you don't think he's messed around you don't think he could have discovered this but you're giving it to her this pointless character who doesn't need to be in the movie at all mm -hmm. she just happens to come this whole thing takes place over like two days and somehow she creates this exploding serum that kills vampires instantly. I mean, can we also talk about the fact that she also creates a... Uh, cure? Cure. Yeah. In two days. I hate her. But the exploding serum is just absolute bullshit. And I mean, I the it. only way you can kind of go think about it is she's the only one who thinks about vampirism as an infection. I don't care. Yeah. It's dumb. Yeah. It does not hold up. 
it completely makes Blade's ability to kill vampires pointless. Yeah. Because now anyone can kill a vampire. Put that in a gun, shoot them, they're dead. Yeah. So why, what is Blade's point going forward? It's nothing. Other than he is now, and to use it to kill Frost, that's how he kills the bad guy? It's her serum? Mm-hmm. Screw that. This thing, it does not hold up for me. It makes zero logical sense in the course of this movie. Fair. And it pisses me off. Fair. All right. Let's talk about something good here. Mm-hmm. We're going to go with the Paul Rudd Award. I think we're going to have the same The award, award. <laughs> for the scene, character, idea, beat, Whatever. something that holds up the best mm-hmm. over all this time. Yep. What do you got? Wesley Snipes' is Blade. Facts. He Facts. is Blade. He should always be Blade. I mean, if, if it's not Wesley Snipes as Blade, then it's the R rating holds up the best. Yeah. Yeah. But I have it written down as Wesley Snipes, but I can do either one. If you want to talk Snipes, I'll talk the R rating. What sure. do you got? Yeah. Just literally just that. Wesley Snipes is the quintessential blade. Honestly, everyone else that would even attempt it, uh, Mahershala Ali, is just going to be like a sad... We're just uh, going to compare. Yeah. Comparison. Yeah. Like, that's that's the problem is... We already know Wesley Snipes' is Blade, so as soon as Mahershala Ali's movie comes out, as soon as that first trailer hits or that first set photo hits, the post, whatever, everybody's going to go, he's not Wesley Snipes. Yeah. He doesn't look like Wesley Snipes. Yeah. Wesley Snipes just was able to balance the brooding, the darkness, and also the comedy of this character that made him so realistic when he could have just been like a joke. Right? Like don't recast Iron Man. We're just going to compare. Don't recast Blade. Yeah. I agree. But I'm also just going to say the R rating. This movie doesn't work if it's not R rated. If it's PG-13, this movie sucks. Yeah. And it's 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 a good movie. I haven't decided if it holds up or not yet. But it's a good movie. I can enjoy it. But if it was PG-13, I wouldn't even enjoy it. Oh, yeah. It had to be rated R. You had to drop mf or You had to drop Mother in there somewhere. You had to have as Multiple brutal times. Death. You had to have brutality. Like, it just had to be cool. It made the movie cool. It doesn't work in any other way if it's not rated R. And I think they could have pushed it a little farther even. But that's not for me to say. Yep. So... I agree with you, though. Wesley Snipes was my first choice. The R rating was my second choice. Nice. All right, go into your final thoughts, and then give me your verdict. Okay. Does Blade hold up? My final thoughts on Blade is that it doesn't hold up. Mostly because of the CGI, Karen, the story not being super interesting. Like, a lot of it just doesn't hold up the test of time where there are things that absolutely do. Some of the characters hold up really, really well and makes it a fun watch. I just don't think that in today's world of crazy, good CGI and effects and sound design and storytelling that this movie would hold up. This movie would be as popular as it was today. 
that should have been your hot take, that it wouldn't be as popular today. I just, mostly because of how you'd almost think of it as a C-rated movie with the effects. Okay, that's facts. Okay. Give it today's budget, and it would probably be fantastic. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I think kids watching it today might be like, why does this look weird? Yeah. Why does it look weird? Why does it sound weird? Who is this person that's Karen? Like, I just don't care. Oh, it would, it'd be dissected so hard. Okay, here we go. Mm -hmm. I like this movie. It's a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. I've been trying to hold that in for a little bit and it just hasn't been working. Okay. I enjoy this movie. I have a lot of fun watching this movie. Same. There are so many good things about this movie. So many highs. And then there's also just so many lows. Mm -hmm. I think this is one of those movies, like a Mean Girls, which is what I said when when we talked about that movie. It's a product of its time. And that's why, with a very, very heavy heart, I can't even bring myself to say it. <laughs> Blade does not hold up by the slimmest of mark. I'm going to caveat that. Like, it's by the slimmest mm-hmm. of margins. Like, it is the U.S. Senate where you get a 51 controlling percent. That's what this is. 51% of this does not hold up. 49% does. But because of that, I have to say it obviously doesn't hold up. It's got the majority share. Yeah. Like but you said, while it has close. those high highs, those low lows are just a little bit lower. A little bit lower. Yep. I cannot get past the CGI. I cannot get past this. The soundtrack's really good, but the sound design is garbage. I can't get past it. Mm-hmm. And it so, just takes you out of the movie. And every time Karen's on screen, and I'm that's that's the character's name, guys. Like we're not saying Karen because all the crap and TikTok videos and whatever. This is yeah, no, that's her. That's actual her character's name. name. Every time she's on screen, I just don't care. Mm-hmm. And the fact that she makes a weird exploding serum and a cure in the first Blade movie, I'm out. Yeah. Of course, I watch Blade too, and thank God they get rid of her in that movie because it just doesn't make sense. But I just can't, those those big things just kill this movie for me. Mm-hmm. But I can still enjoy it. Oh, yeah, no. Let's it was not still so much it. fun to watch. Go ahead, like, tell them. We're not saying it's not watchable. Oh, yeah, no. This is a movie that I will go back every couple of years and watch because it's just a fun time with the action and Wesley Snipes being played. It's just, it doesn't quite hold up to today's standards. Right, like, let me let me make this clear to you guys. When we say something doesn't hold up, it doesn't mean it's a bad movie. It just means if you were fresh going into it in 2022, you're probably going to be like, "Eh, that's a that's not a good movie." Yeah, that's that's what we're saying here, right? But you can still have a lot of fun with it, and I still do, and I will continue to watch this movie. In fact, we watched it for this podcast. I'm going to watch Blade 2 now. <laughs> I'm going to do it. Yep. And then I'm going to watch Blade 3. I'm going to kill myself afterwards. But I'm going to watch Blade 3. Because I just have to. These are fun movies. Mm-hmm. And this one is super fun. It just doesn't hold up. 
Yep. So there you go, guys. Anything else? Uh, come check us out on all of our socials. I leave it up to Adam to tell you exactly the names of them because I always forget which one's which. <laughs> all right. So you can follow us on Twitter at Does It Hold Up One Three. You can check out our Instagram, Does It Hold Up One Three. We got a TikTok, Does It Hold Up underscore between each word. We have a Facebook page, Does It Hold Up, and we have a YouTube channel, Does It Hold Up. Put a question mark at the end of it and you will always find us or just look for our profile picture. It's a theater with the words, does it hold up on it? If you see that profile pic, that's us. We put out fun content like short movie facts on YouTube every day. They're just things that you may not know about movies in general. We also put up reviews of new movies out there if you ever want to check that out as well. Um, Going to see Black Panther this week. Yep. Um, we're going on Thursday to check it out, so we'll have a review up Thursday night for you guys, hopefully. Other than that, you guys know the drill. Keep watching movies. Bye.